Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Unfair with your favorite co-host, Jimmy. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to listen to us, and we appreciate that. It's Solo Weekend, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few things that might surprise you. And as always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. My solo weekend episode is sponsored by Clutch Culture. In life, there are moments when you are needed the most. Clutch Culture is aspiring to bring you just that. With hats and t-shirts available to remind folks who's clutch and who isn't, bring that culture into your lifestyle by checking out their website, www.clutch-culture.com. So part of what I believe, I believe a lot of things, but one of the things that I believe in life is that oftentimes it's the demons that we create for ourselves, the monsters that are of our own making that chase us the most or that haunt us for the longest period of time. And I believe that the Houston Rockets understand that now better than probably any organization in the NBA. Because as we've learned more and more about just how toxic, in a sense, the culture was within the Houston Rockets organization by how much power was given to James Harden, we are learning that there are consequences to giving that amount of power to a superstar, to a man. In a sense, what we've learned this week is that no one man should have all the power that James Harden had within the Houston Rockets organization. And it's like when things go bad, that's when the dirty laundry comes out. So as we approach James Harden, the inevitable, him being traded to another organization, which is what he wants. Everybody knows that he does not want to be a part of the Houston Rockets any longer. We're learning that throughout his tenure, his eight-year tenure, as you know, the foundation of the Houston Rockets organization in terms of their players, that he was given a lot of power that a lot of players, even players much, much better, much more accomplished than him ever had in the sense of having power over personnel in terms of coaches and players, um, having power and influence over the team travel schedule throughout the regular season, which is something I've never heard of in the sense of if there were um, if there were road trips, if they were in a city that he wanted to stay in overnight or for a longer period of time, as opposed to getting home and getting to the next city because he liked to party in that city or liked the strip clubs in that city, places probably like Miami, uh, you know, L.A., New York, whatever, that the team would have to stay longer because that's what James Harden wanted. Even going so far as to be able to have influence over the team practice schedule when they did and didn't practice. So you can 
I mean, think about what it would have been like to be a player for the Houston Rockets and knowing that so much of your life is being controlled by one player, not a coach, not a GM, not an executive VP in the front office, but another player, albeit a superstar player who probably makes 10 times more than you do per season. But to have another player have that kind of control over you and your life. Imagine imagine that at your job, you know, someone who's an employee just like you having that kind of power. Well, that's the kind of power that James Harden had. Someone who's not won a single championship in his NBA career, which to me adds insult to injury. And this is an example of why you don't give in to anyone. Because if you give in to anyone, you will be giving in to them for the rest of your life. And I learned this lesson at a young age. My dad taught me this. I was about five years old. He taught me that you don't give in to people because they'll just keep taking advantage of you over and over again to the point that they own you, to the point that your decisions basically become their decisions. And this is what the Houston Rockets seem to have forgotten. They embarrassed themselves in this way through this heart and culture, quote unquote, because they didn't believe in the culture of their own team anymore prior to signing James Harden. Now, <laughs> You know, so oftentimes we forget who we are. We forget where we came from. And that's exactly what happened to this Houston Rockets organization because they forgot that they were a two-time championship winning organization, one back-to-back in the two seasons that MJ went to play baseball. Because during that time, their culture, their work ethic, the players, the leadership, everything was great. Everything was on the same page. Everything was as it should have been in terms of the culture of the team in order to win those championships. So the Rockets, you know, after those years who were nearly as successful, obviously, as winning championships, they forgot who they were. And they convinced themselves that they needed James Harden, that James Harden was the organization. And he's not. Because if you give a star like him who's not a leader, and who is shown to fold in the playoffs, if you give them absolute power, the culture of your team will get corrupted absolutely. And that's exactly what happened to them. Now, it's one thing if you give this kind of power. I, don't, I wouldn't even suggest giving this kind of power to any player, but if you're going to give this kind of power to a player, it can at least be an MJ who brings you championships. It can at least be a LeBron, a Steph Curry, a Kobe, um, you know, a player like that who can bring you those championships. You don't give that kind of power to an individual like James Harden. And they gave him everything, and they got not much of anything in terms of organizational accomplishments in return. They got him CP3. He wanted CP3. They got him CP3. CP3 said no. He, you know, a-holed himself out of town, and this is part of the reason why. I mean, in general, CP3 is an a-hole, but this made it even worse when he understood the culture of what was around him. He wanted Russell Westbrook. They went and got him Russell Westbrook. Russ, after one season, said no. Why? Because I can't stand this culture where someone like James Harden will schedule events, will schedule, he scheduled a COVID test during what was supposed to have been a film session in the bubble. And when you make decisions like that, little details, that separates the champions from the really good players who put up big scoring numbers, which is what James Harden is so far. They even offered him $50 million, James Harden, to go back on his trade request and stay with the team. And he said no. Not even for $50 million, which is interesting because he's saying no to a culture that he helped create. So in a sense, it's his fault that he's saying no in the first place. And when I was in a group chat with some buddies of mine, me, Jay, and some of our college buddies, one of the things I brought up, I quoted uh, Colin Cowherd, one of the uh, sports, you know, the, probably the number one sports radio host in the country, in that this is evidence of a team 
that has low self-esteem. Because it's like when you, when a person, no matter who is male or female, when you date someone who's probably the most attractive person you've ever dated, or they have more money than anyone you've ever dated, or they can do this or that better than anybody that you've ever known, then it's easy to lose yourself in that. It's easy to give in to that person and let them get away with anything and give them what they want. Why? Because your self-esteem is so low, you've convinced yourself that you need them and that you can't do better. And that's exactly what the Houston Rockets did. They sent their way through all of this James Harden culture fiasco, and now it's come back to roost. And they're getting exactly what they deserve because now he wants no part of it. And after Russell Westbrook and CP3, as popular as they are and as many players as they know, um, you know, tell them what went on when they were in Houston. They're not, they're not going to want to be there either until Houston tears this down and rebuilds the culture. That's exactly what they need. So to that point, they need to let James Harden go. Now, normally I'm not about players strong arming an organization. I would hate to be in the front office because I would take a hard line and say, you're under contract. We're the team that you're supposed to play for. So either you play for us or you don't play at all and you don't accrue a year of service and you're just stuck in the exact same position next season. I'm like that. That's part of how I think. But if I understand that there are players, entities on the team or in the front office who have created a culture that is making it hard for this to be a good place to work, hard for this to be a place to win, hard for this to be a place to attract free agents, then, yes, it's time to move that person. And for that reason, it is time for the Houston Rockets to get whatever they can for James Harden and move him out of town because of the toxicity of this culture that they need to tear down and rebuild. And sometimes that's necessary. Houston has to look in the mirror and they have to say, "Okay, it's our fault. This is our fault. They have to say Daryl Morey, our GM, who helped to create this monster, who gave him more power than the coach. This is your fault. And Daryl Morey, who to me has evolved into the Kyrie Irving of GMs in that he thinks he's smart. He wants you to think he's smart, but in a sense, he's not. And choices like this, not having the common sense to not give a star player this kind of power, who's at least not winning you championships, is evidence that he's more Kyrie than Sam Presti. So... You know, say what you want. If a team gives this kind of power to a player, you can criticize them all they want. But if they're winning championships, then they're laughing all the way to the ring ceremony. There's not much you can say to a team if they're winning and they're not doing anything illegal. But Houston got it all wrong. That's okay. At times, organizations do. And other organizations who have star players need to pay attention to this and understand you don't do this. Like Pat Riley, when he had LeBron in Miami, he didn't do this. Yes, he had to make a few concessions here and there because he was LeBron or because D-Wade was D-Wade, but you don't give them absolute power over the coach and over everybody in the organization unless they're bringing you championships, and even then you still don't do it. You have to be smart. So Houston has learned this. Other organizations need to learn this so that there isn't another James Harden that's created who's a great scorer but who in a sense has no accomplishments and makes his organization look bad by having been given absolute power and abusing that power. All right, so up next, we have the Frozen Five, week 15 of the NFL, looking for our third straight winning week. But before that, just want to remind you about the OSG report that we release every weekend. The OSG is our resident fantasy expert for both season long and daily, like FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, this playoff season now for fantasy, especially season long, so... If you are looking to not only make some money in daily, but set your lineups for the most optimum points for your playoff matchup so that you can bring home that championship, bring home the money, bring home the belt, bring home the trophy like I am, like I'm trying to do, then this is 
especially one of those weeks that you want to look at the OSG report, look at the players to target, look at the players to start, look at his research and analysis. It's already done for you. All you have to do is look at the report and play those players while you still can for free before we start charging you at some point. So the OSG report is on our Medium page, medium.com slash unfair, and on our social media outlets such as Facebook and Twitter, where you can find the complete report ready-made for you, easy to read, easy to follow, not too much, not too little, because OSG does a very good job. He makes money, he is well-studied and well-practiced, and he is trying to bring his fantasy sports, fantasy football intelligence to you. So as mentioned, uh, the oh, the Frozen Five, week 15, off of our second straight winning week. Jay had a really good week last week as well. I believe we are 7-2-1 in our last two weeks, trying to make up for some of the difficulties that we had earlier in the season. So we're looking to turn this two in a row into a winning streak. Uh, I've got some picks that I feel really good about. Got, you know, And when you play these picks, when you you know you have to know which ones to put more money on than others and you have to be able to take some risk you have to be able to go against the grain go against sort of what it looks like you should pick what it looks like Vegas is trying to tell you and really figure out what they're trying to do try to figure out which side Vegas is on that's essentially what I try to do with these picks so some of them are a little strange but I try to explain exactly what my thought process was and then you can take that for what it's worth and you can use that, use those picks or you can go against them, whatever you feel like is necessary. The idea is to get you to think or to show you in a sense how we think when we make our picks and that can therefore inform how you think. So without further ado, this is this week's NFL Frozen 5, week 15. Up first, we have my 49ers at the Cowboys. The 49ers are a minus three-point favorite. And I'm going to take the Cowboys plus the three, uh, primarily because the 49ers have been very poor versus the spread over their last six games. They have not covered five of those. And the story of their season, essentially, outside of the Super Bowl hangover, is injuries, which gave them the hangover for them. Uh, no Jimmy G. And you have uh, Nick Mullins, who makes about one to two bad mistakes a game. That tends to cost the team. No George Kittle. Fred Warner, the star linebacker, is questionable. So if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. In Dallas, they're still in contention to win this division. Whereas the 49ers know with the Cardinals and with the Seahawks and the Rams in front of them, they cannot win this division and they're not going to. And I think that Dallas gets up for certain games like this. This is a historic rivalry game. So I think that they're really going to bring it in this matchup. And I think the 49ers, they just want their year to end. They want their year to end. They want to lick their wounds and then try to come back next season fully healthy and try to win. So this season is a wash. So I like Dallas at home getting the points. And since 2018, Dallas is 4-0 versus the spread as a home underdog, which they are. However, the 49ers are going to win this game. Somehow Kyle Shanahan is just going to outmatch Mike McCarthy. So the 49ers are going to win 26-24, but Dallas is going to cover the three. Next, we have, to me, the matchup of the weekend, the Chiefs at the Saints. The Chiefs are a minus three-point favorite, and I'm going to take the Saints plus the three. Um, they're going to get a rested and healthy and Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees, back, and they're going to get that number one spot back in the NFC, so they need this win desperately. They're at home, and the Chiefs, they've been very vulnerable. They've played in five straight close games. They've won them all, but they've been all close, and of those five teams, this is probably the best team that they're going to face in this sixth game after that five straight close games. So the Chiefs, 
They have no covers in five straight as well. And um, therefore, five out of the last six. And why is that? It's because the Chiefs defense, when they were ascending during this time last season, this year they're descending. They are not playing well at all. They're giving up points all over the place in the last five. And Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey have been getting them out of that. That's not going to work in this game because this Saints defense is legit. This Saints defense, as far as their scoring defense over the last four to five weeks, one of the best in the NFL. This is going to be the game of the year, possible Super Bowl preview. Uh, I think that Sean Payton is going to do just a little bit more to outmatch Andy Reid. Uh, they should have flexed this game in Sunday Night Football. I'm sorry. This is going to be a fantastic matchup. The Saints are going to win it in a little bit of a shootout, 30-27, to 27, not needing the plus three. Up next, we have the Eagles at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a minus seven-point favorite, and I'm going to take the Cardinals uh, and swallow the seven. The Eagles are 1-5 versus the spread on the road, so they are a bad road team versus the spread. And their Cardinals are going to be going up against a rookie quarterback, obviously, in Jalen Hurts making his second straight start. And at least they have a little bit of film on them, which is something that the Saints didn't have last week. And they're used to facing a quarterback like this anyway. Why? Because Kyler Murray is a much better version of what Jalen Hurts is, so they will know how to defend him and slow him down. So I think that that win that the Eagles had versus the Saints were overvalued because the Eagles have a win like that that they shouldn't have at least one or two times a season. That was one of them. And the Cardinals need this win to stay in the playoff mix. The Eagles kind of know that they don't have any business winning this division and going to the playoffs anyway either. So I think the Cardinals are going to want it a little bit more. It's going to take a backdoor cover, but I say the Cardinals win this game 31-21 to on a late field goal to solidify the minus seven. Next, we have Browns at the Giants. The Browns are a minus six-point favorite. This is the Sunday night football game, and I'm going to take the Browns minus the six-and-a-half. Um, the Browns' offense, they've been unstoppable lately. They really have if you look at their last three to four games. And ironically, <laughs> this is actually a bit of a revenge game for Odell Beckham Jr., who, yes, is not going to be in this game. But as a former Giant, I think his teammates are going to want to deliver him a crushing victory to this Giants team because he felt mistreated in a certain way. Uh, in a way that he has not been treated in Cleveland. So they're going to want to win this for him. And the Giants offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, who's done a good job this season, uh, is out with COVID. So who's going to be calling the plays? None other than former Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens. So, yes, this is a revenge game for him, but it's also a double revenge game for the Giants, who, I'm sorry, for the Browns, who probably blame Freddie Kitchens for a lot of what happened last season, and I would blame him too. And Baker Mayfield, he's been really good these last few games. He's been really confident. He's been throwing the ball better than at any point in his career. And part of the reason why he's so confident is because he has one of the strongest arms in the NFL. Did you see that clip of him throwing a 75-yard incompletion at the end of the second half in that game uh, on Monday against the Ravens? I had no idea he could do that. So him walking into this game with the moxie that he usually has anyway, he's going to be trying to throw some bombs against this Giants team because he knows that he can. I think that Miles Garrett is going to chase Daniel Jones all over the field. And the Giants, have they were bought, brought back down to earth last week by the Cardinals, who beat them 26-7. And I think that the Giants aren't going to have too many problems with them either. So the Giants, I'm sorry, the Browns are not going to have any problems with them. They're going to win this game 34-16, to and the Browns easily cover the 6.5. Lastly, we have the Steelers at the Bengals. Monday Night Football, the Steelers are a minus 13-point favorite. And I'm going to take the Steelers to cover all 13. And this is probably the biggest spread 
I'm going to take all year. Once a year, I take a big spread like this, but I like this because the Steelers, yes, they're coming off of two straight losses. People are down on them, but I'm not. This is exactly what needed to happen to them in order to get them to rebuild themselves back better and come back down to earth. So they've been working on their deficiencies over this last week, and this is a get-right spot for them. This is an opportunity to right the ship versus a team who they throttled in Week 10, something like 36-10, to 10, something ridiculous. And this Bengals team, they were already down to – uh, Allen, the backup quarterback because of Joe Burrow tearing up his knee. But it looks like he may not even play. He's got a knee issue, hasn't practiced at all this week, really. So there might ha- they might have to start Ryan Finley, the third-string quarterback who's done absolutely nothing this season. So you throw him out there against an angry Steelers defense, you're looking for trouble. So this is about getting their confidence back. This is about getting back to the fundamentals against a team that they know inside and out because they're in the same division. So the Steelers, they're not going to have any problems with this. They still have a chance for that number one overall seed. Yes, they need some help in the sense of the Saints beating the Chiefs, but they need to win this game. They need to win out and they need to win convincingly for their own confidence. So I say the Steelers win this game 30 to 10, covering that 13 in the second half. Bonus picks take a good, strong look at the Panthers, plus nine at the Packers. This is a Saturday night game. The Panthers are 5-1 and one on the road versus the spread, and I think that number is just too big because of the last nine games the Panthers have played, seven of those have been by eight points or less, so they generally play games that are within nine points, so I think that nine points is too much. And also take a good, strong look at the Seahawks, minus six and a half at the Washington football team. Uh, Alex Smith is out for this game, so Dwayne Haskins will start. I think he's going to be good for several turnovers, and I think that Jamal Adams is going to um, knock him into next week, and that's going to affect him the rest of the game. So I'm going to fade Dwayne Haskins. I think he's going to make enough mistakes to give Seattle the victory by at least seven points. I mean, I like this Washington team. Um, I think they got a really solid defense. I really like the running back, Antonio Gibson. I don't know if he's going to play or not. He didn't play last week. But they're going to be a good team. They're going to be okay. But I think that Seattle needs this victory to continue to challenge for the division and potentially for the number one spot in the NFC. So they need it more than them, even though Washington still has a chance to win that division. But they know they're not for real. They really aren't. They'll be a tough out, but they're not for real. So the Seahawks, I believe, are going to cover the six and a half. To recap, we're going to take the Cowboys plus three, the Saints plus three, the Cardinals minus seven, the Browns minus six and a half, the Steelers minus 13, and bonus side, take a good look at the Panthers plus nine, and the Seahawks minus six and a half. And that is this week's Frozen Five. So coming into this season, one of the biggest question marks in the NBA was what two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to do in terms of staying with the team or choosing to move on because we are in the era of player mobility and uh, he had one year remaining on his contract he had until a certain date this month to sign his supermax a five-year 228 million dollar extension the biggest contract in NBA history or opt to go into free agency after this season and Giannis, it was announced on Tuesday, decided to accept the five-year, $228 million Supermax, the new standard for contracts in the NBA to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks. And he says this on Twitter. He said, this is my home. This is my city. I'm blessed to be able to be a part of the Milwaukee Bucks for the next five years. Let's make these years count. The show goes on. Let's get it. So Giannis has decided to stay. He would have been the biggest free agent prize out there 
since probably Kevin Durant in 2016, but that is not going to come to pass. He has decided to stay. And it's interesting looking at this because it's kind of like the, the ebb and flow of politics, how things swing one way and then they swing the other and it's back and forth, back and forth. If you look throughout the last 20 to 30 years of presidents, Generally, they swing from one to the other. So you have a Democratic president for four years or eight years. Then it swings to a Republican back and forth. We had four years of a Republican president. Now we're going into at least four years of a Democratic president and just back and forth, back and forth. And you see those types of ebb and flows in the NBA or we're going to see that we're seeing it right now in terms of what players decide to do with their future. So looking at Giannis, him being the first superstar since maybe Steph Curry of three to four years ago, two-time MVP who decides to stay in their home market, to stay with the team that drafted them, to not follow in the footsteps of, say, LeBron or Kevin Durant and taking their talents elsewhere. So, you know, I talked about player mobility. That's the era that we've been in. That's become the norm where an NBA player, a superstar, either chooses to go to a different organization in free agency, which is perfectly fine, or for some, and I'm not too big of a fan of this, I guess, forcing the organization to trade them to another organization if they no longer want to be there for whatever reason. So you have players um, who've been front and center of this, this mobility, you know, such as LeBron, who really ushered in this current era of that. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, uh, even Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who have decided to move to different teams in order to further their basketball careers, oftentimes losing millions in the process by not taking a Supermax with their home team, the team that drafted them or the team that they were with for the longest period of time. But it seems like with Giannis, who is a superstar, not to the level of a LeBron, but he is a superstar. So someone like him choosing to accept the Supermax with his home team may be the sign of the tide swinging the other way to where instead instead of being in the era of player mobility, maybe we're moving into the era of player loyalty. And I know that that word makes some people cringe when it comes to uh, sports because oftentimes front offices aren't loyal to players. You know, they'll say they love you one day. They'll say that they want you to retire in this jersey and show it to you hanging in the rafters and then trade you the next day. That's exactly what happened to Blake Griffin. Um, you know, they'll fire the coach, even if he's doing pretty well. Sometimes GMs, you know, teams, owners, they move on from front office personnel all the time and players. So players, in a sense, you know, many believe have the right to move themselves or to, or to utilize that mobility or the leverage that they have in, by whatever means necessary to get to where they want to go. So that's questionable. That's for another day. But when you have guys now, you know, with Giannis front and center choosing to accept the Supermax and stay and Dame Lillard doing the exact same thing, accepting a large contract with his team to stay in a small market, small market Portland. When you have Steph Curry choosing to stay in Golden State, and why wouldn't he? He was winning championships. There was a two-time back-to-back MVP, the only unanimous MVP in NBA history, I believe. Uh, you have Jason Tatum, you know, a young up-and-coming superstar, deciding to accept the extension with his team, the Boston Celtics. Now you're seeing guys stay. So I think that this is a bit of a shift that we're seeing because up next, now that Giannis has made his decision, is going to be Luka Doncic in about a year or two. People are going to be asking the same questions. Is he going to stay or is he going to go? Because of, you know, foreign players tend to see this differently. They're not as quick to want to go to a Chicago or New York or Miami or an L.A., you know, a big market or someplace glamorous like that. So they don't think the same way that American superstars do. So that's part of the puzzle as well. But I think Luca, I think he's going to stay. 
I don't think he's going to see any reason to leave Dallas and Mark Cuban with how well he's been treated and how well Dirk Nowitzki was treated playing his entire NBA career there as well, Hall of Fame career. And then I think after him is going to be Zion Williamson. I don't think he's going anywhere either. I think that the Pelicans have learned their lesson with Anthony Davis with not doing what they did or learning to do what they should have done in order to keep a superstar like him. They're not going to make those same mistakes with Zion. So I think that we're going to move into the era of player loyalty or what we're going to see is mobility joining loyalty to where you have a superstar who's unwilling to join the team of another star who wants to be mobile. They say, I'm going to stay right where I'm at. And then that player is going to have to come to them. So I think that Giannis, Giannis is not against that. He's not against other stars coming to play with him. It's just he's chosen not to what some people would call ring chase and move from organization to organization. He's decided to stay there, and his hope is to potentially recruit other players to come and join him. Therefore, you have mobility plus loyalty, kind of a hybrid of two eras. So I think that we can we can see that. I think that the NBA is fine and healthy without having superstar all their superstars in big markets, and that's it. And I say that Giannis is a superstar, but again, he's not in the class of some of the others. LeBron, probably not even Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving in the sense of how he moves the ratings needle because you'll notice in the bubble, Milwaukee was playing a lot of their games during the day, like 12 o'clock and 2.30 on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday when people are at work and unable to watch those games for that reason. You know, Unlike LeBron, LeBron always played later in the evening when people were off work where they could be in front of a TV set to watch the king run his kingdom. You know, 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock tips. That's LeBron and the Lakers. So Giannis isn't there yet. He may if he wins a championship at some point during this five seasons with them, but he's not that kind of a superstar yet, but it'll be interesting to see if he can further evolve and if the organization chooses not to rest on their laurels and continue to get him players to try to help him win a championship. Hell, at least get out of the Eastern Conference. So for the next five to seven years, this is going to look a little different than the, I guess you could say the post-Miami to uh, the post LeBron to Miami era. We're going to see more of a loyalty era, player loyalty era, or a mobility pl- uh, joining loyalty era, kind of a hybrid of the two. So that's what I think. But either way, I'm glad that Giannis made that choice because I like to see that variety in how players choose to further their career. I do like to see some players move because it's always interesting. It always creates different power dynamics in the NBA structure. But I also love to see a player stay right where they are at. So, you know, and, and not give a team like Golden State the opportunity to panic because they know they, can, they can't beat the best player in basketball and then beg another superstar to come join them and then, in a sense, kind of mistreat them in some way and cause them to want to get out of town as soon as they can, i.e. Kevin Durant. But either way, we're still going to see some mobility, but it's going to be great for the league. The NBA is probably, you know, despite COVID, is, you know, still growing. It's still evolving. Um you know, so in another 10 or 15 years, they may be number one on the block. Right now, it's the NFL. They are the gold standard, but that could all change. And I think that a player like Giannis staying in his market, in a small market, Milwaukee, I think that it can be a good thing for the NBA. I know others might disagree with that, but I don't care. That's what I think. So we will see what happens. We'll see if they can at least get out of the East this season. So we appreciate you listening to Unfair Solo Weekends with your favorite co-host, Jimmy, to the production team, Mike, Bob, and Wendy. We appreciate all your help and all your hard work to all of our loyal listeners, all of you who watch our clips on Instagram 
and the like. We appreciate that to Florence Nightingale. We appreciate you listening to my nephew, Tarod, host of the Tarod cast. Thank you for your support as well to Dr. Manhattan. Thank you for your support and listening to the show. And to uh, everyone, love yourself, love somebody. Please wear a mask. Please practice social distancing as best as possible so that we can do what we can to try to get things back to a safe and happy normal where we can all be in an environment where we can attend some of these professional games and college games and high school games that we love. So either way, take care of yourself. Love yourself. Love somebody. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.